Folks, you're listening to the Silicon Dreams on Radio Zindagi 15:50 AM, and we're kickstarting the series on Web3 AI ML. With me, we have Sam Yuan, and Sam is the head of CoinDesk Studios. And for those of you who are not aware, CoinDesk is the biggest crypto publication on the globe, and they have right. done a great job advancing not just the knowledge about crypto, bringing it to the masses, but covering news as it happens in the world of Web3 and crypto. Yeah. Welcome to the show, Sam. Nice to be here. Thank you. Sam, in a couple of sentences, would you love to talk about your journey into this wild west world of Web3? Yeah, I mean, I've been involved in crypto since 2014 and more as a hobbyist and investing. And then uh, I, I've been in the media and marketing business for most of my career. I was working at New York Times for four years. I had my own creative agency for 10 years. Uh, and I joined CoinDesk about two years ago because it sort of fused the, my passions of media, marketing, and uh, and Web3, and crypto in general. And I think it's just such a great time to be in the space because we're really at the beginning of a kind of digital and innovative transformation. That is right. Uh, for crypto, it has been around for a decade, but the true advancements in Web3 decentralization have come over uh, we have seen a lot of advancements in the past couple of years. We are we just wrapped up Consensus last week, and Consensus is a conference. It's the biggest crypto conference in. Uh, I, I w I'm probably going to say the globe again Correct. because yeah. you know it attracts talent from across the world. And coming off of Consensus, right? This year compared to the last, uh, how is the turnout? What are people focused on building over the next couple of years? Yeah, I mean, this year's been great. I mean, we had 14,000 people come to That's amazing. The, the middle of Texas uh, to talk about what the innovations that are happening in crypto and blockchain in regulation and sort of the government environment, as well as Web3 and the cultural side. Um, what we've seen, I think, is for many years, the first 10 years of crypto was very financially focused. It was very much about peer-to-peer um, -peer payments. And what we've seen in the last couple of years is the cultural side coming. So you're seeing art and music um, and gaming and all these different areas, big brands are starting to play in the space through loyalty and membership. And it's been a bit of a, a an opportunity, I think, for people to rethink about when you think of what Web3 is. Web2 is very much about, you know, this kind of uh, social version of the internet. Web1 is read-write, right? Web3 is about ownership. It's the idea that I can have a token in my pocket uh, and that, you know, by connecting a wallet to any website, I can, I can be, become part of a community but I can also participate in ways where I get to own that participation, right? It's not like a, a brand can come and say, you know what, I didn't like what you said on Twitter, we're gonna cut your account off. <laughs> the fact that I own a token, an NFT, a uh, game land, any of that allows me just a, a certain amount of freedom that we kind of uh, need in our world to be able to, I think, have agency in our own decisions. And it's this layer that has been built on top of now many different blockchains um, but really the concept of, of how we connect as communities, I think, is being revolutionized in front of our eyes. That is a great way to kickstart use cases of Web3, right? Because that was the next question that I was going to ask you. Yeah. When a lot of people look at cryptocurrencies, especially in the United States, they just look at it as a high-risk investment asset. But the concept of decentralized finance where it kick-started with the Bitcoin white paper coming out in 2008 and with Bitcoin being subsequently launched in 2009, wasn't exactly around creating another asset class necessarily, right? So CoinDesk has eyes 
across the globe. Outside of US, especially in areas like Africa, etc., where we do not have a matured infrastructure for finance and even things like telecommunications, etc. How do you see decentralization or decentralized finance? Let's talk about that because yeah. CoinDesk has covered DeFi for such a long time. How do you see that truly change and impact lives? I mean, to me, the best example is what, uh, what Stellar uh, Development Foundation and Circle are doing around relief aid. So if you think of the crisis in Ukraine, normally, if I was to donate money, there would be, oh, I'm going to send $20. It's going to go to some organization. They're going to take my money. Some piece of that's going to automatically go off the top to manage the experience. It's going to take eight weeks to get into market. And, you know, through the course of it, a dramatic amount of money is, I heard a figure this, this morning, $4 trillion in the financial service uh, services industry goes only to the people who move money around the world, yes. right? With what Stellar and Circle are doing, I can donate money to a cause in Ukraine. That money can be deployable on the ground in two minutes. So it goes from my wallet to a wallet of an organizer there. The other thing is, think about when you're in a in a area, you know, Africa, South America, where the currencies may not be stable. I can keep it in a in a currency that's pegged to the U.S. dollar, which is pretty stable. So it allows me not to have the fluctuations of value that do happen within traditional finance if you are in a locality where the government can manipulate the, the funds. And I think that's a simple example of the idea of how one can transform their mindset. Because the idea that you give power, and power is money, to people who want to make change, but give them the ability to own their own finances and where they're not having to pay a tax every single hop along the way. Um, one other example I'll give you, which I think is really fascinating. Uh, imagine there's an amazing creative artist who lives in Africa. Mm -hmm. and, that, and, and I'm someone who needs a creative artist to design a movie poster. I can go on, on, on a, a forum, I can find this person, we get to have a conversation. We can peg the price of the work to a currency that is valued the same across the world. So instead of me wondering, oh, is the Mexican peso one-tenth of the price of a, of a Mexican dollar, I get to say, no, I will pay you 0.5 ETH to do the job. 0.5 ETH for me may be a great value, but someone in Africa, someone in Mexico, that might, be, that might pay their, their rent for a month. Right, More than one that. job, at, yeah, you yeah. know, and so I think that's where I also think that if we could standardize, and again, it doesn't have to be specifically about ETH or Bitcoin or any 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 of, it, of the specific currencies themselves, but the idea that we can say we all agree on the value of this token, and then we get to deploy in that token globally, it actually raises the value of everyone else to come up versus like to what the the, the most valued currency is. That's why I like Circle and, and what USDC is as an example. But it really could be anything. Bitcoin is a great store of value. ETH seems to be retaining its value. Um, there's a lot of ways that I think we can think about the creative services industry. Um, as we talked about aid, I think there's also these use cases where people are starting to say, oh, instead of paying all of the taxes around um, uh, selling my apartment, right, to pay a title fee and a bank closing fee and this and that, what if it's an NFT? You have to have some security, make sure no one you know, steals your house if you lose yeah. your wallet, seed phrase. But the idea that says, let me cut out all of the middlemen because every one of them stamps on those dollars. And it's just that it's not a good look for humanity when all we're trying to do is distract as much value away from people yep. versus being additive to how, what, what can benefit people's lives. You have spoken about some great examples. So guys, there are over 1.8 billion people in the world who are unbanked today. 
and a lot of the banks don't want them as customers because they do not bring enough money into the banking ecosystems plus they might not have a credit history so bankers look at them as risky customers but defi doesn't discriminate and the biggest thing is like unlike banks where the banks have to look at their risk profiles because they are custodians and that's how they make money when people use decentralized finance the blockchain protocol ethereum or any of the chains to store their money on they are their own banks which means that it does come with responsibility as sam was pointing out there's a concept of seed phrase which you can think of as a password however today if you lose your seed phrase you lose access to your wallet that is changing we have new protocols coming in where with some social consensus and different i different methods you can recover however even the erc4337 is all yeah. about the idea that so erc4337 is uh, an improvement a proposal an eip on ethereum so eip stands for ethereum improvement proposal and the proposal for 337 is exactly around that which is being able to recover your seed phrase if you lose it today there are a lot of funds just locked out on bitcoin and ethereum because people lost the seed phrases to yeah. their wallet so that's going to change more importantly sam i would love to talk to you just elaborate a little more on the idea of uh, being able to store a currency so you know what you were referring to uh, what immediately came to my mind was naira so naira is the currency for nigeria and uh, today in us people are not foreign to the concept of inflation especially over the past two years but in countries like nigeria they are experiencing something close to hyperinflation as well right and obviously argentina venezuela they have had over 200% inflation so if we talk about naira and we have seen some companies do the work of being able to allow people in nigeria easily store their naira as digital dollars through usdc etc can you talk about it like in the long run what does that mean and why can't they do it or is it something that they can do with their banks easily today um i'm not going to say i'm an, I'm an expert on, on that side of it uh, what i will say is money is freedom yeah. and uh, i think you brought up the fact that hyperinflation is such a i mean a, a virus if you think about it because it allows for control of a population yes and i think one of the things that we're seeing um is the uh, the opportunity and again this is happening more and more globally but the idea of being able to hold in a reserve currency in a wallet and you know to your point i mean here's the thing about a seed phrase people should value the things that are valuable in their lives right and so whether it's a 12 word phrase a 24 word phrase and the opportunity to say whether i memorize it whether i have to hide it with you know half of my parents house and half of my house whatever it is i think it's also okay to say that your identity your assets and your money is valuable and so do the work. Yeah. With that, uh, with that said though, I would say yes, to your point. Um in all of these places whether it's the Naira or or uh, uh, other currencies around the world, there are becoming easier and easier ways to convert to local currencies when you need it. So if I have, you know, if I was uh I'll go back to my 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 aid example before, if I am someone who uh is raising money for a local a need on the ground in Venezuela and I raised 10 ETH right today close to $20,000 and I keep it in ETH or I convert it to a, a stable coin I can deploy that when I need it and and there are a lot of services now that that I have a fiat off ramp 
So it says, okay, I need $200 today. I get to do that. And the rest gets to be in something. Maybe I want to keep it in ETH and see if I can get a little more gain if I think ETH is going to go up. Or again, maybe I keep it in the stable currency where I know the exact value of it. But again, that, that's, a, that's a powerful transformation in the financial infrastructure of a locality. And I think that's what we should be focusing on. Is how do we encourage more and more people to, to do the work and get there by themselves? So for the benefit of the audiences who are new to the world of Web3, uh, what I wanted to quickly focus on were a couple of terms that uh, that were used by Sam here. So you heard the terms fiat on-ramp. In the world of Web3, your fiat currencies are currencies issued by your sovereign bodies, like the US dollar, which is issued by the government of US, rupees issued by India, Naira issued by Nigeria, so on and so forth. They are known as fiat currencies. And yes, then we have our cryptocurrencies. Now, an on-ramp and off-ramp, you can just think of it in simple ways. On-ramp is when you're con converting your fiat to crypto and off-ramp is when you convert your crypto to fiat. The one thing that I would love for you to explain our, to our audiences is what are stable coins? Because we refer to USDC, yeah, yeah. etc. you know, as stable yeah. coins. I'm so happy what to explain is them. I, I, I will to leave after this, this one just because I'm, I'm due on stage in a second. But um, the, what if, I mean, uh, a stable coin really is the idea, and I mean, USDC is back to the US dollar, but there are digital euros, there's digital yuan. You know, the idea of having something that is pegged to a local currency that is really just a digital form of, of that dollar, uh, of, of that asset. And I think that, there, but it's happening on chain. Um, I don't believe in the ones that are sort of algorithmic. I believe in ones that are, are backed by actual currency, which is yes. also a very important thing. Some people yes. kind of are gaming math, and some people are actually holding treasury. Yes. And so, you know, if you're getting into stable coins, look for ones that utilize treasuries. Yeah, but the idea that says I have 10 digital dollars and somewhere in a bank is 10 real dollars. And that's really all it is, is, is the ability. But then instead of if I want to send that $10 to someone in Paris, I can do it within seconds. And that's the most important. And low transaction most, fees. And a very low transaction fee, much, much lower than if you were doing a wire. You know, and so that, that's really what a stable coin is and why it's so powerful. And I do think that in the next bunch of years, we will see a, no, a number of stable coins actually that will be either brought to or, or partnered with local governments. Because I think they see the power of digital money and programmable money. But we're just not, you know, there's a little fear there right. that we'll have to get over. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited and bullish about where it's going to go. Thank you, guys. Again, this is Sam Evan. You're listening to the Silicon Dreams on Radio Zindigi. Sam, thank you so much for your time. Sam, again, leads Coindesk Studios. And guys, if you haven't, if you want to learn about cryptocurrencies, Coindesk is going to be your source of uh, source of truth, source of knowledge. Go and take a look at uh, all the fantastic articles on Coindesk. And if you're looking for, if you're more of a visual person, then Coindesk Studios creates a lot of visual content. Yeah. Look at Coindesk TV and learn from there. Thank you again, Sam. Thank you so much.